You're listening to Good on Paper, a bookish podcast. I'm Jenny. And I'm Rachel. Join us as we journey together into the land of fiction, where the men are brave, the quests are epic, and everything is better on paper. Hi guys, mm. we are back and today we're going to be doing something fun. We are going to talk about all things publishing, everything you need, everything you don't need, and everything that would be nice but you don't necessarily need. And this is going to be mm. fun because while I have published in the sense of an online serial story, I have yet to publish an actual physical book or an e-reader digital book like a full-length novel so this is basically going to be me picking Rachel's brain because she has released (laughs) three books three physical books she's done the special editions she's done the pre-orders she's done all of it so I'm really excited for this conversation because it's my goal to be published uh this August so this is kind of my chance to get some advice and get some ideas and basically hype myself up because I need it um to get myself through this draft so yeah now I feel like all kinds of pressure I'm like oh goodness do I have all the answers I don't know yeah no I don't I don't spoiler alert I do not yeah and even it's just like I mean you can give us what you would do differently in the future and what you would like to try in the future and I think even that would be helpful yeah yeah that's fair yeah I like I like I'd asked the other day, like what we were going to do for sure as far as topics, because I want to make sure in case I needed notes. And I'm glad I wrote down a few things about this one because I knew I wouldn't remember everything like in the moment of it. So I do have a little bit of notes for when we get there. But good. yeah, so I don't I don't know. Maybe it will be good to start with. What would you say is like the bare minimum? Like if you just wanted to do a super no frills, fancy starter package of publishing a book. Mm-hmm. You know, as an author, that like, you do not care about anything but the writing. You know, you're not like a marketing person, yeah. or uh, you know, you don't want to do anything. Yeah, yeah. With that and that's your choice. You know, as a writer, if you mm-hmm. want to do it that way, like, what would you say is the bare mm-hmm. minimum of things that you need to publish mm-hmm. a book? If all you really want to do is just publish a book, like you don't care about, um creating a career out of it necessarily I would say really all you need to do is learn how to use KDP which is like super super easy um and I actually have a post about it on my website on my blog but I mean you can find YouTube videos and everything about it it's super super user-friendly my pastor my former pastor who is I'm not gonna say exactly what how old I think is because I might be wrong but he's in his 70s (laughs) and he published an autobiography himself without any issues I mean if if he can do it, anybody can do it. So it's definitely not difficult to publish, um, for sure. I would say, and I know that a lot of people are hesitant about this because most authors, I think, are somewhat creative in most arenas of art. Like you know, are like you know, interested in painting or drawing or singing or something. Like usually, it's when you're creative, you're kind of multifaceted creative. Um, but I would recommend getting a cover made professionally. Unless, I mean, if you're already 
fairly well versed in creating a cover, go for it. You know, I mean, and I made my first covers. Like, there's nothing wrong with it. But I do recommend having one made because A, it's a lot less stressful because creating a cover and then having it fit perfectly to the actual physical book is really stressful and difficult to do, especially depending on who you print through and everything. So, and when you order a cover through an actual designer, they do all of that for you. So all you have to do is upload it. So I would recommend getting a, prof a professional cover done. Um, but yeah, I guess I'm saying like the very, very, very bare minimum, those would be the only things I think you absolutely have to do in order to publish if you're not like interested in creating a career out of it necessarily. Like you just want to publish this one story. Yeah, so you need a manuscript, your cover, and a working knowledge of KDP. And that's that's yeah. it, right? <laughs> like yeah. yeah, so yeah, it's really basic. That yeah. So just everybody take a deep breath. You got this. Yes. You can do this. Yeah. <laughs> and like disclaimer, even if you are wanting to make a career out of this, like you can do all the research and I highly recommend it. And I highly recommend going like, you know, the full effort to doing it a specific way in order to make it work as a career. But you learn as you go. Like I, if I was going to start over now, I wouldn't do things that I did to begin with because I've learned a lot since then. So, I mean, it's okay to, to publish and, you know, make mistakes and then figure out later, oh, I didn't need to do that. Or I did need to do that, you know? So it's okay to not have it all figured out the first time because you're not going to have it figured out the first time. I hate to tell you, but so it's okay. Like if, if I was starting over, I would do things differently than I did originally. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. So don't worry about trying to get it perfectly because you're not going to get it perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. And everybody has a different path. Like I've seen authors who started out who have published a multiple you know tons of books and they started out and maybe they started out with the more basic thing they had a more basic cover they didn't do the pre-orders or um, any of the yeah. marketing and they published three books that way and then maybe their fourth or fifth book they got more into that and then mm -hmm. they started picking up speed and their career started taking off and some authors do it that way I've also seen authors mm -hmm who for the past like two years have only released one book, but they went and they did all the research and they did all the things that you can possibly do. And they just yeah. published that one book and they're just hyping up that one book. Um, yeah. And both of them, both of these two paths that I've seen authors take, I've seen authors be really successful either way. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of it depends on your personality and what works mm -hmm. best for you. Some people probably yes. do better knowing everything and taking a long time to execute something. And that's why they're successful. Mm -hmm. Whereas other people learn better as they go. And mm -hmm. that's why they gain success that way because that's what works for them. Yeah, definitely true. I know that when I first started, I avoided any kind of article or anything about self-publishing. I didn't wanna know anything at all because the whole thing scared me to death. And I figured the more information that I learned, the bigger that can of worms was going to get and the more like complicated stuff I was going to figure out. And I it just all scared me so much. So there's nothing wrong with like not wanting to learn everything all at one time because it, it is a lot and there's a lot to learn. And you're never going to learn all you're not going to learn all of it in your lifetime anyway, because there's always new stuff to learn. Um, but, yeah, it's OK to to be scared of learning all of it if that's how you are because that's how I have been and it's also okay to be like the student who's like tell me everything and tell me now 
like I want to know every bit of information and make all the flashcards and everything like either one of those ways of doing things is fine and like if through the course of this episode you stuff and you're like I don't want to do that that's fine you don't have to do all these things and if I say something's not necessary and you want to do it anyway do it anyway that's fine too so what would you say is the frilliest like the absolutely biggest way you could possibly publish like if you're gonna go all out like what yeah. would you do and I'm actually I'm getting out my notes I'm gonna write down <laughs> all these different things because there might be I've heard of a lot of things you know IBSNs and pre-orders and publishing to multiple sites oh but gosh yes. you know there's always stuff that you hear about different sites different things so I'm gonna write it down just in case yeah no. <laughs> something comes okay. up that I've never heard of that I might want to try. <laughs> I feel like I've done not everything, but I've done most, most of the stuff and most of the unnecessary stuff. Um, if you're going to publish through KDP, you don't need an ISBN. Uh, they give you one for free. However, if you want to sell that book anywhere else, you do have to buy an ISBN, which you can get them on Bowker, B. B-O-W-K-E-R is where I buy my ISBNs. And you can get them in like a package. Um, so if you want to sell anywhere other than Amazon, you will need one. But if you don't want to sell anywhere other than Amazon, you don't need one. Um, and setting up your book on KDP is no big deal. If you want to do a hardback that has a jacket on it, instead of just the printed on the cover kind of hardback, you do have to go through Ingram Spark instead of just Amazon. Because Amazon only does hardbacks that have it printed on the cover itself with no jacket. And Ingram Spark, I'm just going to warn anybody listening, is a learning curve kind of thing. Um, it takes a minute to figure out. They're a lot less forgiving about stuff. You you get charged for like every step of the way kind of thing. And like when you want to revise your cover, they give you like a, a PDF you have to work with. And you have to get all of the different um, bits of it into the right grades in the right way. And if you get it wrong, you have to resubmit it and pay again. Like, it's a big deal. Versus with KDP, you just do it on their website. They give you the the template. You you put it on there. They tell you where there's issues. They give you, like, a visual thing that shows you where yours is wrong. Versus with Ingram Spark, they send you an email and tell you what's wrong, which is kind of hard to deal with. I've done it enough now that I kind of know what to avoid. But it does take a while to just get used to it. Um, but, yeah, you'll have to use KD or Ingram Spark if you want to use hardbacks that way um also the cool thing with ingram spark is they sh they sell everywhere so my books are at target and walmart not in store <laughs> i should say that they're not that cool um but they are online just because ingram spark sells everywhere which is really cool if that's something you're interested in um and that, like as far as setting up books that's kind of the gist of it i mean there's a whole bunch of other stuff like if you want to go beyond just having a cover made and you want to have um character art made and you can do illustrations inside the book. That's something that I have done and a lot of people do. That's another expense. These are all, most of these things that I'm saying right now are things you don't necessarily, you don't need to do. I would not recommend for a first time person because it's really stressful. Um, but that's another thing. Um, and usually you'll find those people through like uh, Instagram and whatnot who are doing different commissions. Um, and a lot of the time, those are things you're going to use as pre-order goodies if you're interested in doing pre-orders. And if I was doing like a full frills release, that's what I would do is I would have pre-order goodies, which could be printed out postcards of the different um, illustrations you had done. I did um, pencil pouches for one of them. You could do keychains. Some people do actual like merch, like uh, mugs or candles or um, T-shirts or 
prints of their maps, all kinds of stuff like that, which if you're interested in doing those kinds of things, I recommend just scrolling through Instagram of other people's pre-order goodies just to see what they've used. Um, the downside of pre-order goodies is they're very expensive. And if you don't have the money to spend, it is kind of a waste in some ways because most of the time people are going to buy your book because they want to buy the book. They don't really care if they get the extra stuff. The extra stuff is cool, but most people are not going to buy it to get the extra stuff. So if it's something you want to do and you're invested, that's great. But if you don't, don't feel like you have to because you're not going to sell less books just because you don't have pre-order goodies. Um, and if I was doing a thrills thing, I would definitely have pre-orders. And you can only do ebook pre-orders on Amazon. You cannot do paperback or hardback ones. I don't know why. Um, so if you want to have pre-orders for that, you're going to have to do that through a website or through a Google Forms, um, which you can do on, you can link to your link tree or whatever on your Instagram page. Um, I would definitely have a street team, which is a whole other complicated animal where people sign up to help you do things. They help post about your cover reveal. Uh, if you're releasing a blurb, they talk about your release day. Um, they share about your book. And a lot of the time, you'll uh, keep track of the times that they share about things. And then they'll get their names entered for to win a prize of yours or something at the end of the, the whole time of you releasing this book. Um, another thing that I have done that I would not recommend people do to begin with is creating merchandise, which is a whole other thing. So you have to figure out where to have it printed, which I use Printful, but I've been looking into a different one. I can't write. I think it's Printify. Um, cause supposedly it's cheaper, but it's, it's, it's not expensive to you to do it because it's print on demand. So you create the item. If somebody orders it, then they print it and you get charged for it or get paid for it or whatever. But it's a, and it's, it's an expensive time to create that kind of thing. And then how much are people really going to buy it? Um, so in the beginning, when you're first starting out, I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend doing it just cause it's so much energy to put in. And is it really going to do a whole lot? Um, if I was going to do the whole frills thing, I would definitely have a newsletter, um, which I recommend doing anyway. Newsletters are great because people like your Instagram could tank any day. Like somebody could just take it. And it would all be gone. But a newsletter, you own that. That's yours. People sign up for it. And then you have that to go back to all the time. Um, oh, I would definitely pay for an editor. If I was doing like the whole shebang, I would set up a website, which websites can be expensive depending on which one you're using. Um, I think Wix is free, though or at least it's low cost. Um, but a lot of them can be really expensive if you're setting up a website. Um, ads, I would definitely do ads if I was doing a full frills release. And ads are really expensive and really complicated. Amazon ads particularly are really complicated and difficult to figure out. Uh, Instagram ads are really easy and basic. I don't know how effective they always are, but they're basic. Um, and if I was really going to go, I guess it depends. Like you could be, all these things could be used if you're just wanting to like really go all out for your release but if you're also with the intent of I want to I want to go all out for my release and I want to uh, release something that's going to like potentially skyrocket my career or like really make this a full-fledged income kind of thing there are things that people do like rapid release which is a big one which is where you stockpile manuscripts and then you release them one after the other because people can binge read them. Um, and that helps a lot of the time or writing to market, which is where you do the research of trying to figure out what books are popular in whatever genre it is you're wanting to write in. And you try and pick tropes that people are, you know, really enjoying and things like that to try and tr write things that people will really buy. Um, and all of these things are things you can totally do if you want to, but 
almost none of them are really necessary beyond publishing the KDP and potentially having a cover made. None of these things are necessary for you to do. They're just things that you could do if you wanted to. And I have done most of them. And a lot of them I won't do again. <laughs> are they things that you might do like more in the future so say <coughs> you built up a huge like reader fan base because I would say mm -hmm. if you have a huge reader fan base that's when it makes more sense like people who are in love with your books in mm -hmm. love with their characters you are oh, yeah. their autobiography author that is when to me it makes more sense to have more merch more pre-order goodies mm -hmm. because people know they're going to be in love with your characters and stuff so yeah. they're going to want t-shirts with your characters on it they're going to want um stickers mm -hmm. and book plates and yeah. whatever you know but yeah. if you're a new author and people don't know you as well um you know and I'm not saying this to be mean but like why would anybody want pictures of my characters if they've never read a book that I've written they don't know if I'm a good writer they don't mm -hmm. know if they're gonna even like my characters why would they pay extra yeah. money for pictures of my characters you know, and that's mm -hmm. not to put myself down or to put anybody down. But, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, I think that's definitely a good point. Because when I first, I didn't know that you could do any of those extra things when I first started. I thought you just published a book. And then once I joined <laughs> Bookstagram, that's when I found out there's all these extra stuff people do. And I was like, wait, they do what? And then I felt all this pressure to do all the things they were doing. Because my first book, I really didn't do anything extra. I just released it. Because I didn't, I didn't know there was such a thing as a street team or anything. Um, but then for my second book and my special editions, and with actually The Grinch Next Door, I didn't do anything either. I just released it because I kind of wrote it spur of the moment. Um, but once I found out about all this stuff, I felt like in order to be one of the cool kids or in order to be successful, I had to do all of these exciting things or your, your release wasn't going to be good. And what I didn't realize is what you're saying, where the people who were doing those things and having a lot of success with it was because they were successful before that like they were they were these are people who are already established and not just with like how long they've been writing but they have audiences that are very loyal they have a big fan base they have people who are requesting these things who want merchandise with their characters on it or with certain quotes on it or they you know they're they have a lot of they have the following already and they're just capitalizing on that by adding these things into their releases I just thought that's how you get that was by doing these things. And that's not how it works. Like it's, and, and if you have the money to spend and you want to do it, that's great. Do it. But if you are on a budget or you don't want to spend the time and energy, but you feel like you have to, please don't do it. Because unless you have the fan base already there, it's probably not going to be worth the energy. Um, I hardly sell any merch ever. Uh, occasionally someone who really likes the book will buy a piece of merch, but for the most part, I hardly ever sell any merch at all. And that's fine because I know that I don't have that big of a fan base right now. And so, you know, I'll, I leave up what I've already created, but I'm not going to go through the effort of creating anything else until I have a fan base to actually sell it to. Um, because until you have that, it doesn't really make a ton of sense to do that. Um, and not all of these things, like I would say, you know, having a newsletter, having a street team, things like that aren't bad to do. It just depends on how much energy you want to put into it. Um, because until you have more of a following, you're going to have less people who are invested in helping you release things because you don't have as many people who are like, oh my gosh, yes, I want to be a part of this because I love all of her stuff because they don't know you yet. 
And that's, you know, and that's just part of the process of getting there. But don't feel like you have to do that immediately because you definitely do not. Yeah. And I think, like you said, this is all an investment. Yeah. So you have to look at it that way. So if you do have the money to spend and it is your first release, it might be a good investment to create character art and stickers, like mm -hmm. certain things, even if this is your first yeah. book, nobody knows you. If you know you have the money and if you're sure you can create something that's going to attract people that don't know anything about you. So if you're creating mm -hmm. merchandise or any kind of thing that's not related to your book, um, you might want to think about how attractive is this going to be to somebody who doesn't know anything about, is this going to attract them to my book? Is it going to be yeah. useful to them in other aspects of their life? Mm -hmm. You know, if you're looking at quotes of your book, is this a really good quote that somebody would want to buy even if they didn't read my book? And I know it's hard to yeah. look at your work objectively, but, but be realistic with yourself. Even if you've never yeah. read your book, would you buy a shirt with that quote? You know, is it, mm -hmm. You know, you know, so yeah. that's something you just have to look at it. I feel like like in investment because mm -hmm. you are putting up that money and don't forget, it's your time too. you're putting up that money yeah. in your time and expecting to get something in return, which is more readers, more sales. Mm -hmm. So you just have to like weigh it and make sure mm -hmm. because I've thought about doing all these things, you know, for my release and I wanted to go for everything. And then the more I thought about it, some of my ideas, I thought, okay, I could see people buying this. And then some of them I thought, yes. it's going to take so long for me to learn how to do this. Mm -hmm. And nobody's probably going to want this. So it's just not for right now. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> you have to look at mm -hmm. things critically, I yeah. think. And you have to oh, be definitely. aware of your own finances and your own skills and like mm -hmm. what's going to really pay off and what's not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you have to ask yourself, what is this just something fun or is it really going to have an impact on how well this sells? Like if that's what if that's what you're going for is the idea that you want to sell more books. You have to ask yourself, is this really going to help the book sell or is it just because it's kind of fun and cute? Um, which if like you go into it knowing that it's just kind of fun and cute, and it's not going to do anything, that's fine. But just know that you kind of have to ask yourself that question with whether or not it's really going to be effective for the book. Um if you have money to spend, personally, I recommend spending on ads. That's a big one. Spend on ads because the more eyes you get on the book, the better off you will be. And like social media is great and all, but that's not where the bulk of things come from. The bulk of things come from, for me, for ads, that's a big one, especially on Amazon. Um, they have different things like there's, um, what is it called? Something Rocket. It's where it um, generates keywords for you to use yeah. for ads and Kindle Rocket or something like that. And I have I don't want to pay for it right now, which is why I don't have it. But it's really helpful because when you're doing uh, ads on Amazon, you have to put in keywords that you think people will use to search for your book or you want your book to be associated with. And this, you know, certain app, this Rocket app can help you figure out words that... Um, maybe aren't used as often because you don't want to compete with more books to get your book seen for that app, for that keyword and like stuff like that. So I would spend money on something like that. I would spend money on just more ads in general, because they say that if you really want your ads to go anywhere, you need to spend at least 50 bucks a week on ads, um, which not everybody has the budget for. 
So if you can, I would spend more money on ads. Um, I would spend money on an editor if you can, because like if you don't have a good budget, edit, self-editing is fine, um, especially if you do the research on how to do it. But if you can't afford an editor, I would highly recommend it. And I would recommend getting a better cover if you can afford it. And when you get a cover, you have a lot of the places will have an option for you to get um, the extra materials, like um, different ad materials that they'll make for you. Pay for those. Like um, when you're on an Amazon product page, there's an A plus. It's called the A plus section where you can put in images or quotes or reviews or stuff like that to kind of entice people to buy your book. You can have the people who made your cover make something for that section so that it looks sleeker, more professional, and it, you know, maybe there's a quote from your book with a picture of your characters or whatever on it so that it kind of entices that. Uh, you can have them create banners to use on your website to advertise your book, which is a great one. I would invest in a website because to me, a website is an investment because as you grow, eventually you will want one and you might want one that has the potential to sell stuff on it. Um, so that's always a good investment. MailChimp is a good investment. That's where you can set up a newsletter. And the if you had the money to pay for it, they have different um, plans where it's like, oh, you can send out automated ones on a certain day every month. You get more information during if you pay for certain different steps of it and whatnot. I would say having one, maybe two um, character arts is a good idea because it's something you can use. Because especially if your book doesn't have people on the cover, it's something you can use to advertise with if nothing else. Um, I would not necessarily recommend getting as many character arts as I did. I got six for the first book, I think like nine for the second book, and I already had the third book ones, and I have like, gosh, I think she did like 10 of them or something like that, um, which adds up. So they're expensive. So, <laughs> so maybe don't get that many, um, but I would recommend just a couple for the sake of advertising is never a bad idea. Um, so there are some really good things to spend your money on if you have them the freedom to spend that kind of money on them but if you don't I don't think they're a necessity yeah um I had a question for you oh when it came <coughs> to editors do you recommend you know the whole like developmental line and mm -hmm. proofreading or is there one you would prioritize over the other do you think it depends on the writer I think it definitely depends on the writer um some people I think you have to go with where your weaknesses is weaknesses are versus where your strengths are like if you know that you're good with this like you're good about finding the weaknesses in the story and you don't need help with that kind of content um then don't worry about that kind of editor you know if, you, if you're working on a budget especially if you know that when it comes to the pros that's where you need the most help then go ahead and hire a line editor versus you know somebody to help with the story or if you know that you're really bad at proofreading, then get a proofreading editor versus, you know, a different kind. So I think knowing your strengths is where that would make the biggest difference. Personally, I don't use an editor at all because financially it doesn't make the most sense for me. Because for the most part, most editors in my budget, to me, do things that I already do for myself anyway. So I'm like, I might as well just not hire an editor right now until I can afford to have one um, who can do all the things that I can't do. So you kind of just have to figure out where your strengths at, you know, if you know that, okay, I, I really, really need somebody to, to edit it because my prose or my grammar or whatever just isn't great or I'm not really sure about it, then go with the one where you think your weaknesses are is what I would say. Because you don't want to pay for someone to do all this work that you could have been doing for yourself. And then there's other stuff you couldn't do for yourself that you needed, but you didn't have them do it. 
So yeah, I would say it definitely depends on the writer. I would say pre-ordering it's kind it kind of depends on the person. Um, and it depends on how much stress it's going to be for you. If you're someone who can set a deadline and you know your book is going to be done by then, go for it. Um, but just know that life comes along and it can be very stressful to try and get something done in time. You think you have time and you find out you don't. So just kind of be aware of that and be careful about it. Um, I personally will not be doing pre-orders for a little while because it's just it's been a source of more stress for me than anything. Um and the, the thing about Amazon is you can set up a pre-order uh, within a year ahead of time. So I say give yourself as much space as possible. If you think you're going to publish in December, set up pre-orders for March <laughs> just in case. Because um, you can always move it forward. But if you move a pre-order date back, you can only do it twice. Otherwise, they will ban you from pre-orders at all for a full year. So like for me... I did pre-orders for my third book, Legends of Avalon, and unfortunately, that book will not be coming out on the pre-order date, and I have already moved it back, and I had already moved it, moved the previous book back on its due date also, so for me to move this next pre-order for the third book out even further, I will be banned from pre-orders for a full year, which for me, very much worth it, because there's no way that third book is coming out on the timeline that I set it up for, so be very careful about pre-orders, because they will bite you in the bottom if you're not careful um so if you're not sure about when you want to set up a pre-order don't 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 set one up you um a lot of people think you need one because at the back of the book if you're writing a series a lot of times they'll say you know click here to pre-order the next book if you don't have to have that instead what i would do and what i'm going to be doing is just have a link to sign up for your newsletter and tell them that if they want to know when the next book is coming out they need to sign up for the newsletter and then that way they still get to know when it comes out. And most people will do that if they want to know. Um, that way you don't feel the stress of having to have this pre-order set up. You can just have them, you know, shifted into your newsletter so you can just tell everybody when it's going to be coming versus add a whole bunch of stress about it. Okay. And then yeah. what, so if you are going to do the pre-orders and risk all this, mm -hmm. what are yeah. the benefits that a pre-order can give you? Like, does it help with sales? What does it do for you as an author to have a pre-order? From what I understand, um, at, for most of us who are, are small-time indie publishers or who are new to it or don't have a huge audience, it's probably not going to do a whole lot for us because you're probably not going to get you know hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pre-orders. But if you can get hundreds and hundreds of pre-orders, it does book your, it boosts your book when it launches because um, all of those orders count on the day of so like the day that if like you say your book is going to launch on march 5th then and you have 300 pre-orders before then all of those sales count on march 5th and so your your book gets boosted that first day it launches because amazon says well you got 500 orders on the first day it launched because all those pre-orders counted for that day which is great um i have heard that the best thing to do is to have I think it was Sylvia Mercedes who said to do a soft launch and then a hard launch. It's like on the day it actually launches, your book actually goes live. Talk about it like on your newsletter and, you know, post about it on your Facebook page, but don't post about it on Instagram yet. And then a few days later, post about it on Instagram and everywhere and really blow up about it. Because from what I understand, 
if it sells really, really, really well, like the first two or three days, and then it drops off, Amazon stops advertising it so much. But if you can get it to kind of consistently go up the whole week, Amazon will advertise it continually. So it's better to kind of launch it kind of in steps so that that way people are buying it every day that week versus just on launch day. So pruners are yeah. great because they'll give you that first day launch. But you want to keep pe people buying it all week long so that Amazon goes, oh, people want this book consistently. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, yeah. that's a really good point. Like, I'm writing that down. But that's interesting because to me as a reader, um, trying to support mm -hmm. indie authors, a lot of times, you know, I'll see someone's pre-order or on release day. And I'm like, oh, do I want to buy this book? But I'm just... um. I'm, I'm very frugal with money, so I'm hesitant. And then I'm like, well, you know what? If I buy this book later, or, if I, or even if I have bought it and I read it later, sometimes yeah. I'm like, you know what? It's still going to help the author because maybe it will give them some kind of consistency. Because mm -hmm. if I buy it later, then it's like, you know, there's still interest. Or if I, you know, if I do buy yeah. it and then I read it later and I review it later, you know, mm -hmm. I'm like, I hopefully that helps them. So it's good to hear that consistency yeah. does help. Yeah. Uh, an author. Yeah. So if you, if and you I can't don't, buy a book right away, you know, yeah, <laughs> might not be a bad thing. And it's mm -hmm. not like, no, not at all. And it's not like the author gets more money from a pre-order than they do a regular order. So you're not hurting them by waiting. And then also, if you're someone who's Kindle Unlimited, because that's what I do is Kindle Unlimited, like, I never buy books. Um, unless I, I'm pre-ordering the next book and I know that I'm really into it, but most of the time I don't. Um, I'll just... I'll just sign up for the newsletter and be alerted to when that book comes out because I don't want to pay for it because I pay for Kindle Unlimited every month. Anyway, when you do Kindle Unlimited, your authors get paid per every page you read. Remember what the sense is, but we get paid so much for every page that you read. So if you don't want to read a book, like pre-order a book, don't worry about it. I'm still like you're, whoever you're reading for, they're still going to get paid if you wait and do it on Kindle Unlimited. Like don't think they're not getting um getting their their due by you waiting to do it or by you reading kindle unlimited because actually when i get my paycheck in the month i get the most money from kindle unlimited than i do for any other kind of sales at all hmm. which is so don't feel bad about doing kindle unlimited because your authors they still get paid for that so that doesn't hinder them or hurt them at all and like jenny said like if you wait to to buy the book and don't pre-order it that doesn't hurt them either it just shows that their sales are continuing past the pre-order date or past the launch date so that's no, there's nothing wrong with that at all. So for Kindle Unlimited, because I've heard mixed feelings about Kindle Unlimited, because mm -hmm. um, obviously if you have your book on Kindle Unlimited, you can't mm -hmm. publish it elsewhere. And so it sounds like for you, financially, you do better keeping it on Kindle Unlimited yeah. versus publishing wide. Mm -hmm. yeah. Absolutely. Like, <clears throat> excuse me. I. I guess I only read on Kindle. Like, I don't read on any other platforms. Um, and I don't even know what other platforms there are besides Kindle, to be honest with you. I know there are other ones, but I guess I've never really read on them before. And the from what I've heard from other people, and I've heard mixed things too. Some people really love and some people really don't want to do it. But there's such a small audience per each of the other um, platforms versus Kindle that the majority of people are on Kindle. And even if you don't have like a Kindle Unlimited account, you still can read on Kindle. So, I mean, whoever wants to read your book, is it's still likely that they can still get to it on Amazon. 
mm-hmm. um, even if they usually use other sites. So I feel like you're really not alienating enough people for me to be willing to not do Kindle Unlimited. Um, so I, I guess for me, it makes the most sense. I guess that is something too, if you don't know that, if you publish your ebook on Kindle Unlimited, you cannot publish your ebook anywhere else. You can publish a paperback, hardback, whatever you want anywhere else, but the ebook can only be on Kindle and that's it. Um, so you can't go anywhere else with it. The thing for me, the reason I did it initially was just because that's how I started reading again was on Kindle Unlimited. And for me, I only read Kindle Unlimited. So I basically the reason I chose to do it is because I thought I don't want to have readers be unable to read my book. I want to make it as like um, accessible as possible for people. And then I realized that most it seems like a lot of people anyway read that way because it's been doing fairly well. I mean, fairly well for me anyway, not in the grand scheme of how much money everybody else makes. But for me, it's been doing fairly well on Kindle Unlimited. Um, but so, yeah, it's it, you kind of have to it's one of those things where you do have to kind of weigh your options, like what's more important to you. But so far, I haven't had any complaints about it. Yeah. Yeah, because I think Barnes & Noble does have their Nook e-reader. I do not. Mm-hmm. And don't go by our experiences, do your own research, but I do not know a single person with a Nook. Maybe that. Everybody I know who reads ebooks has a Kindle. So, yeah. um, again, like, do your own research because just the people I know, that is not scientific. It is a bubble. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but <laughs> so... Yeah, you have to think about, I mean, how many people are going to want to read your ebook on another platform? There might be a lot. Yeah. There might not be. That's something you're going to have to look into. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's true. You're going to have to figure out whether or not it's kind of like, um, I would say that Ingram Spark is great. And I use Ingram Spark. Well, I'll, I'll just say it this way. Amazon is great, except for the fact that if you print with Amazon, if you update your book, like you update your manuscript or your cover or whatever, people will still get the old version of it. I don't know how long it takes them to print the current version of it, but it takes a while to sort that out because they they claim that they have copies in warehouses that have to be sold, but I'm like, you don't have hundreds of every independent author's book on in the world sitting in warehouses. You can't tell me that. Um, so they, I'm like, that's just not possible. So they take a while to print your your updated version. So that's why I stopped using them to print books. Um, so I use Ingram Spark now, which is a catch-22 because they're also a pain in the backside in a lot of ways. Um, but for everybody else, Ingram Spark is great if you want to sell other places besides Amazon. Like if you want your books, you know, in Barnes & Noble without having to set up on Barnes & Noble or whatever, they're great for that. However, if you don't care about having your book widely available, then just stick with Amazon and don't pay to go through Spark because it's a pain, especially if you're new to it. It's such There's such a learning curve with it that I would not recommend with it if you haven't done Amazon for a while first, just because it, it's, it's such a pain in the butt and it costs more money because you have to pay to set up everything and Amazon's so much easier. Um, so yeah, even though I use it now, it's not something I'd recommend starting with. Yeah, because I mean, if it doesn't matter to you how widely your book is sold, as long as it's on Amazon, then just go with Amazon. Don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because if people are buying paperback copies anyway, <coughs> you know, what I mean, does it really make a difference whether they order from Barnes and Noble or Amazon? You know, it's one thing no. on the e-readers, because if you have a, yeah. an e-reader that specifically mm-hmm. can only take Barnes and Noble books, that's one thing. The thing is, a paperback book or hardback book is going to be 
a physical book. And I know some people have issues with Amazon and they prefer to support Barnes and Noble, but outside of that really doesn't matter where you buy the book from the physical book. No. From. It, no. it just doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> you get it in the mail, that, you put it in your hands and you read it. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I know that Ingram spark um, has higher royalties for authors, but the downside is that with Ingram spark, you have to give um, companies a, 30% discount. I think it's 30 or 33% discount. So I have to give Amazon a 30% discount when they buy my book. So that means that I have to charge more for the book to make sure that I still get the same royalties that I need to get because Amazon gets a discount. Like you're, you're, you don't have an option. You have to give them a discount. So that is a downside too. Even though you get higher royalties, it kind of doesn't, it kind of evens out because you have to give Amazon discount anyway. Yeah. So you really don't get higher royalties, basically. No, you don't. You get the same. <laughs> yeah. 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 Now I have seen things, I've seen people comparing um, covers, you know, from Ingram Spark and from Barnes and Noble mm -hmm. and Amazon. Mm -hmm. And from everything I've seen, it does look like Ingram Sparks covers are just slightly higher quality. Their print quality is better. Which, to me, makes sense because, again, you mm -hmm. get what you pay for. Amazon yeah. is free. You know, it's easier to mm -hmm. use. So the quality, yeah. it makes sense, is probably going to be lower. I mean, that's just life. You know, if you want something higher mm -hmm. quality, it, you just have to be prepared to pay more yeah. and waste yeah. more of your life trying to fuss with it. Um, yeah, I would say that's true. That's one of the reasons that I switched also was because when I first did KDP, there was, um, you have two options with KDP for printing a cover. You can use like their cover creator thing where you insert your images um, in the, the program on top of their template or whatever, or you can have them send you a template, you download it, you put your images over top of it in Canva or whatever, and then you upload it as a PDF to Amazon. So you have two options. You can do it on the website or you can upload something. Initially, when I did the first book, I did it in the website. The problem that I had was that when I ordered like 50 author copies, they were all different. They were all cut differently on the edges. And you could, on some of them, you could see a yellow line. And on some of them, you couldn't. And on some of them, the border was like, had more space from the bottom and some of them didn't. Some of them were like, it was, none of them were printed exactly the same, which drove me insane. I have not found as big of an issue now that I use the PDF where I upload it instead of creating it in the uh, Kindle app. But I still find that I haven't had any issues that way with Ingram Spark, partly because Ingram Spark, when you upload your covers, they're so nitpicky about it fitting perfectly in the little square. So if you ever use Ingram Spark, just a warning, when you put your uh, your images and your titles and your words and stuff, make sure it fits inside the boxes and then make it even a little bit smaller than that. Just in case. That's what I do now and I don't have any more issues like I used to because it used to be like it was back and forth all the time. Make sure you're, you're in the safe zone and then even a little bit further away from the safe zone and you should be okay. But I, I haven't had any issues with any of the copies they've given me. I think partly because they're so anal about making sure that what you send them is perfect. Um, but then all the copies are all, all they're printed the same I the only issue I've ever had is when the jackets aren't folded correctly which actually Aaron Phillips posted a reel about this where you iron it to get it to go the right way because I have had that happen where it's not printed wrong it's just folded wrong 
But other than that, I have not had any issues with them. And the colors, some people complain about it, but the colors are richer from Ingram's Bark, the covers are, than they are on Amazon, which I like. So I prefer the richer colors. But yeah, you you do get what you paid for. Um, so Ingram's Bark, I do think, is higher quality. But it also depends on how much you care. And like, it also depends how much do you sell paperback versus Kindle. Like, if you really only do mostly ebook sales, you might not care whether or not your paperbacks are high quality or not. So you have to figure out where where you're willing to put in the effort, the time, the money, all that kind of stuff. Everybody's going to be different that way. Yeah, that's true. And I do know some authors who only have ebooks. You can't mm-hmm. get a physical copy of their book. And yeah. I never thought about doing that before. But, mm-hmm. you know, for you, that might make the most sense because, I mean, yeah. first of all, the main thing I'm thinking of is covers have got to get that much easier if it's just one little picture. I mean, you can make that on Canva. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that you should. Yep. You might want to get a professional, but you could mm-hmm. just like make the little square because yeah. it's a picture on a screen at that point. It's not <laughs> like you don't need the spine. Mm-hmm. You don't need the back, yep. you know. So that is something to consider. You don't necessarily need a physical book. So much easier. I, um, with printing, with selling books now, see, there's the other downside to Inger's Bark is that with Amazon, your book is on Amazon within like 72 hours, your, your paperback. With Ingram's Bark, even after it's been approved and everything, it could be up to a month from the time that they approve it to the time it actually shows up on Amazon. Cause Amazon has to realize it's available. They have to like translate it to each other. So it can take, a, it can take a minute. Um, and what I've seen a lot of people do that I'm now going to start doing. Cause I'm like, Oh my gosh, that's so much less stressful is you publish the ebook and then the paper books come out later. Like if you're publishing it, like you're rapid releasing a trilogy, they'll wait until the trilogy is done. And then a month later, the paperbacks will be available. Which That's gives so- you, as the author, time to get everything ready, which is yeah. so much nicer. That's really- and then you're not like, you know. Yeah, because like with book two of my Legends of Avalon, I was so stressed because I thought, well, shoot, I have to have the book ready a month before release because I need it to link up to Amazon on release day, which is like so stressful. So if you, I, th- I think it's appropriate to have two separately release days, one for your ebook and then one for your paperback that way it's a little bit less pressure on you to get it done and then just talking about ebooks and what i was gonna say i see that a lot it's very common for the ebook and the paperback to have different release days so it's not something i would worry about yeah you know no yeah i would recommend it um and the other thing that i would say to spend money on if you if you're not comfortable with it just because it's a lot um is a formatting software because formatting a book is a lot, whether it's an ebook or a paperback, it's a lot. Ebooks are easier in some ways, but then also everything has to link to the right. Like your your table of contents has to link to the actual chapters, which is a whole thing in and of itself. And then with paperbacks and hardbacks, it's like okay, trying to get the bleed to the right spot so that meaning that all your images bleed to the edge of the page, and that's a whole other thing. Which someday I'm hoping to make like a video about how I format paperback books but if you don't want to spend the time to figure that out especially and in initially it's something that I would spend time playing with if I were new um like on the side and like use a software for the first few books and then if I wanted to do it myself then I could do it for future books which is what I did with the first book I used a software and then after that I started doing it myself because I feel like I can have more control doing it myself 
But with the software, I use Atticus, which I want to say is like $140 or something, but it's a one-time fee forever, and then you get to use it. And it does both eBooks and it does physical copies, which is really nice. And it do, you can put images in it, um, and it can do your eBooks and link all the chapters and everything for you, which is really nice. I use it for eBooks, but for paperbacks, I use um, Word and I do it myself. But I would recommend a formatting software or send it to a formatter, whichever. But yeah, it's been very helpful. I don't know what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> Look on your face, you're like, wait. I was like, wait a second. I thought it was, maybe it wasn't, well, on the same lines of formatting, I know Readsy, obviously I haven't used any them because I haven't published a book, but Readsy has, I think it's like three different options, and I think they're free. But, you know, they're very limited, like they have three different styles and from what it makes them sound like, you just throw your book in there and it like formats. So that's something I mean, you have to think about how pretty you want the formatting. I will say, because I was really wanted pretty formatting, but for an ebook, honestly, pretty formatting because people are able to change the font. They're able to change the screen color. So if you have pretty pictures, like separating your um, sections of words, and somebody is reading on their phone or an e-reader, that picture shows up as like a little square. Like there will be a white border and then they'll have their page maybe a different color than the standard white. You know, it doesn't always look as pretty on an e-book. So if you're planning on selling a lot of e-books, is it really worth the time for you to format it really nicely? You know, and then sometimes I've seen people's, um, they'll have like their little fancy big letter headers, but like for whatever reason, it like doesn't it like covers part of the text and it's not in there correctly. Mm -hmm. So for an ebook, maybe you want to take the time to make things nice, but maybe if you feel like just leaving your formatting pretty kind of plain and boring and then focusing mm -hmm. your efforts on the print book or yeah. whatever, that's also something to think about because even if you <coughs> format something really nicely in an ebook, because Kindle and ebook readers have so many options to customize their yeah. reading layout, your formatting might kind of be all messed up anyway. And you put in all that time, you know, so mm -hmm. that's something to consider. I totally agree. Cause like the formatting of the first book, I tried to like make it pretty and stuff. And then on my phone, before I had a Kindle, I preferred to read with a black screen cause it just felt less mm -hmm. aggressive to my eyes. And that's when I started to realize that that separation image that people will use, like the scroll work or whatever, it's in a white box because it's on a black page now. So it doesn't look as cute. And actually, I was reading a book the other day that had, and I was it was on a white page, but it had like a full artwork above where the chapter is. I just kind of found it annoying and unnecessary, like kind of distracting because when you're reading on an e-reader, like your focus is so much on the text itself that everything else kind of just feels like frills and kind of feels distracting and unnecessary. So I would, I mean, not that it's wrong to do, but I would say don't worry about it unless you really, really, really want to. I would say instead put your effort into making sure that you link your newsletter at the end. Um, that if you have any like excerpts from the future book or whatever, Amazon, a lot of times on the e-reader, on the final page, it'll cut off there and it'll tell the person that that's the end of the book unless they want to keep scrolling and it'll like, you know, pop up and say, hey, do you want to rate this book? On the end page, make sure you say, hey, sign up for my newsletter to find out about the next 
book or hey make sure you turn to the next page to see the excerpt i would focus on that kind of stuff more than trying to make it look pretty because i feel like with ebooks people are looking more for like just the text and the information versus all the pretty stuff the paperback is where you can be pretty which is also not necessary if you don't know a lot about how to make it look pretty and it's your first time don't stress out about trying to make your paperback pretty inside like people don't need it it's just fun if you feel comfortable figuring it out yeah, so I don't know. We've probably been talking about this for forever, and I feel like I we know. keep going, but maybe we banner saves on this for the next episode because that's the other thing. It's a lot, and if you take in too much at yeah. once, it's going to be overwhelming. You won't remember it yeah. all, and so then it's not going to be helpful. So yeah. when you are learning about this stuff, whether it's through our podcast or YouTube videos or other authors talking about it, um, don't overdo it. Learn one thing at a time. <laughs> yeah. And like, if you guys have specific questions about publishing or formatting or writing or whatever, we can always do a Q&A video or like podcast episode if we had enough questions to answer in the span of an episode. So if you guys have certain things that you still don't understand or you need help with, we could always do that at another time. So I'm sure that we'll have plenty of other opportunities to share the rest of the information. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we could. Yeah, and you know, we're going to get better at doing things. We could... We could always do it. You know, if people are interested, let us know. I don't know how many people are interested in publishing on Kindle Bella. It's honestly not that hard. You don't really need to research a whole lot about it. But if you did want to know about it before you got into it, yeah. um, we could do a Q&A on Kindle Bella too. But like I said, not as necessary because you just kind of like go through their steps and they explain everything really well. <laughs> not hard. Yeah. <laughs> but still. People might have questions, which would be fun to have that kind of an episode, but yeah. So let us know, guys, um, what you, I don't know, if you have any questions that we didn't answer or if there's any particular information today that was helpful, we'd love to know that too. Um, and yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Yeah, well, we will see you next week. Good luck on your publishing journeys. Bye. Yes. Bye, guys. Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it and tune in next week for another episode. And if you enjoyed it, please consider leaving a review so that other people can find us and we will see you in the future. Bye.